I'm Stuart Buchanan and you're listening to Out From Under, a weekly programme which winds a path through eclectic and experimental Australian music broadcast on Resonance Extra and podcast by FBI Radio in Sydney. I've been listening to Andy Ranson and Jochen Gooch separately for many years. Andy, through his work with Pelican Daughters, Itchy and Scratchy and Cherry 2000 and Jochen through his solo work, Recording as Hinterland. Their aesthetics have always seemed not necessarily at odds with one another, but certainly sitting apart like oil and water. When they announced they were getting together to form a duo, my interest was piqued. After all, watching oil and water dance together and refuse to compromise their position, forever battling, never conceding, it's a much more interesting metaphor for a musical collaboration than adding disparate ingredients into a blender and grinding them down into a perfectly smooth soup. When they also noted that Andy would be focusing on something akin to poetry reading and Jochen would be leaving his previous work behind, the collaboration became all the more intriguing. I must confess that the whole idea of spoken word generally leaves me cold or at worst heading for the exit with my body curled in a defensive position. Not so here though. I get the impression that Andy and Jochen recognise all the potential pitfalls of marrying poetry and experimental music and in refusing to allow them to derail their objectives through a clear no-compromise approach, they manage to land somewhere fascinating and above all somewhere quite listenable and enjoyable. And therein my own preconceptions and hopefully yours too find themselves pleasantly shattered. On this week's episode, I talked to Andy and Jochen about their new project, which has borne now two EPs, the most recent of which is now available through the Thames End Men label. And we also hear music throughout and more directly in the back half of the episode from Jochen's project Hinterland Ensemble. And we also take in some back catalogue work from Andy's Pelican Daughters project. To lead us in, this is Andy Ranson and Jochen Gooch on Out From Under and abandoned objects possessing great power. Great power, accruing potential. 
by design, committed to the care of grandfather time, attracting spirits and ghosts and spells, trapped in their crannies like frogs in a well. I am Andy Ranson, and my job is to write the lyrics and deliver them. My name is Jochen Gutsch, and my job is to be the other half of the duo Andy Ranson and Jochen Gutsch, and I do the music. We met at a, um, a jazz event. That's right, we met at a jazz event. I forgot about that. Um, at the Sydney Improvised Music Organization, but yeah. we were both there for work. We were both there in professional capacity. Yes, as career bureaucrats. Yes, as career bureaucrats, and then we talked about music and quickly found that we had common interests, and eventually booked a gig to play together, but not at the same time, just on the same bill. And so Andy played a solo set and I played a solo set after that or the other way around and then we thought why don't we just move it together into one set we had no common interests and for a a while I labored under the illusion that Jochen because he was German wrote techno (laughs) (laughs) which turned out not to be the case and that was a huge problem for me I I struggled with that for a while I was like okay well what does he write Uh, when I finally got to see him perform um, um, I realized that it was um, a very eclectic uh, kind of uh, music quite heavily based in the uh, sort of uh, punk aesthetic I think yeah that's probably true yeah later on I discovered you could also compose music in the sort of classical arranging sense which I didn't realize at the time so you're still surprising me, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I had you in the in the techno dance rave corner, and then was surprised by the poetic beauty of your words when you started to speak um, over your beats. So that was that also happened on that day, actually, uh, when we played together. I think that I realized ah, oh, there's an intensity, a, a quiet intensity in the words in the way of speaking, the rhythmic speaking that Andy did at that gig that I thought I just had a vision of some music that could go with that and that I think it continued from there and I think pretty much that the way I feel about the duo is that it's not really it's not really a genre type thing it's not really like you know we're going to play this type of music or that type of music it's more 
like a more like an open general type of way of saying things about the world or you know hmm. I don't know yeah I'm giving your personal response to being alive giving your personal angle on reality is the um, it, it's the highest game there is to play on earth I think writers like George Orwell, but also poets like Philip Larkin, who write in plain, simple English. Uh, I think that um, poetry, or whatever it is, doesn't have to be obscure. Uh, Being a career bureaucrat, I spend most of my day crafting elegant, simple emails that are as clear as can be that don't take up a lot of time to read and that are easy to understand and follow. If there's an argument in the email, uh, some kind of of point or some kind of reasoning, that reasoning has to be crystal clear. So this this all comes very easily to me. Uh, But where it uh, turns into lyric uh, is that I start to use symbols and metaphors quite intensely. Uh, because they are um, fun to use uh, and illuminating, whereas uh, to be at at work and to use that level of metaphor- metaphorical communication would certainly mark you as something of an eccentric. I think English is actually a very difficult language to deliver poetry in. Uh, a lot of it sounds like pretentious dreck. Uh, and um, there's something about the English language, uh, to me, that, that, that's antithetical to poetry. It's not naturally romantic sounding. Um, uh, but you can play with that, of course, and uh, deliver a kind of lyric which is more prose-like. And I think English is good for prose. Definitely. <laughs> 
The living cannot speak for the dead, even on the deathbed. And I, your survivor, clearly perceive that there is no wishing in death except for the wishing of the bereaved. The dead do not peer through the door of life at their post-mortem career. They do not envy or counsel the living. There is in death no judging or forgiving of self or others, nor any summation of life, nor elevation or degradation except of one's corpse, which rejoins the earth, but that is a matter of birth. And those who still love and live and cry and ponder how and who and why and plough their furrow through the veins of life and join with a husband or a wife and procreate, planning for tomorrow, experiencing every joy and sorrow that is theirs to own in this sojourn should pay no attention to the ashes or own. What lies beyond this is of no concern to the young or the old. Death is empty and cold. So if you, my former friend, have gifts to uncover and curious secrets to discover, it is my right to ignore your request to consign them along with your corpse to rest. These papers no longer belong to you. They belong to the world of the new. Your papers are a bequest to which those who still live will now attest. Like I've played music in various formats for a very long time, including playing in bands that didn't have a singer, which means that I was the singer. Um, and I gave up on vocals and lyrics also around 2008 or 9. That's the last time that I got anywhere close to a microphone. And it felt... I felt very relieved at the time that I didn't have to do that anymore because um, writing music comes very easily to me. I can write a lot of music. Um, I never have, I'm never stuck with, you know, not having ideas or anything like that. And I really like developing music quite extensively and making it progressive and interesting and all that. Um, what I'm not very good at, at is writing lyrics and also not singing. So these are both, these were both like low kind of <laughs> like low elements in in the infrastructure of my um of my creative output i think so i gave up on it and um then it took a couple of years un until i saw any and i thought ah oh, here is someone who can actually do that um he can write and he can also deliver in a in a way that is not technically singing but is also pretty intense and i thought like oh you know there there might be a world there that we can create together um, in which we're both not operating in our normal comfort zone but kind of you know experiment and try things um, in which we both benefit from each other's skills or you know the skills that the other one doesn't have or something like that it felt like you know this could be a playground for interesting projects almost like projects like like we do with those EPs so let's think about you know a concept for that first EP, which came out on Wood and Wire. So we came up with this concept of um, taking this pop song format that we talked about earlier to the extreme and say like every every song needs to be exactly two minutes, not one second longer or shorter, and um, try to write for that format um, as a like a cynical statement maybe but also trying to 
actually make it sound good and interesting, not just as a joke, you know, but really try and say everything that we can say within those 120 seconds. Make five of those songs, all of them exactly two minutes, and then stop. And then think about the project anew, like as if it's another duo, you know, or like it's it's still the same duo. But um, to think of the next EP or the next phase in this duo, um, again, and just approach it in a uh, potentially completely different manner, which is also what we've done with the second EP. differently I don't think I can do much in one or two minutes no no you're protracted <laughs> I'm used to yeah at the moment like in, in my other uh, musical output Hinterland I uh, write pieces that are about 25 minutes long and they're uh, for string they're pretty complex string arrangements and all that and um, so they're anything but uh, birth, uh, like spontaneous bursts of creativity or, or anything like that it's also in, in the duo, I have to take my time with doing what I do. So I basically, so we basically settle, uh, Andy and I basically settle on some concept, some idea, some f- maybe even like visual idea of something or like uh, a theme. Uh, we often talk, we never rehearse, you know, so it's like all very conceptual and then it has to sink in for a while and it can be fairly quick but it can also take a long time and then Andy might have the lyrics already there and I might have them sitting there and I just listen and I listen again I listen again and then eventually there's something that comes to me and that feels like okay I think this could work together and then I do something that may not have anything to do with my other musical output at all you know so it's like on the second EP for example I play piano which I learned as a kid. I had like 10 years of piano lessons or something, but I never learned actually how to play the instrument. So that is very far away from my comfort zone. That's not something that I would usually do. And But it just felt like I think that these two things could go really well together at the moment in this current phase that we're in. And for the next phase or project, for lack of a better word, we're probably going to do something completely different again. It's still going to be that duo, and it's still going to feel exactly like that, and the way of working is probably also going to be similar. Yeah, and that feels really, really good. It's very liberating, because I can step outside of my normal way of doing things, um, can try things that are completely different, can still rely on the fact that there are similarities and that the, uh, to what we've done before, so it's not like you're just going out into a different format and, you know, kind of playing in a reggae band or something like that you know that you've got nothing to do with um it's still going to be within that mind world of the two of us and so there will be a recognizability if that word exists does it exist at least for us (laughs) um so that's yeah it felt very liberating and i was very happy that someone could do the writing could do the speaking could do the the word content for something that I don't have to do. 
when we record, it begins with me taking some lyrics and deciding these five are for Herr Gutsch. And I'll ring them. I have a notebook. I can't show it to anybody, but it's a little, little black notebook and I, have, I use up about one per year. Uh, and um, it's full of lyrics, half lyrics, and a lot of crossing out. Um, so there's, there's a lot of work in progress there. When I've got five that I think are right uh, for this project, I'll um, pick up a, um, a Zoom tape recorder, uh, get under the uh, cover sheets um, to block out the external noise, and murmur into the uh, Zoom recorder with my moustache sort of bristling up against the microphone. As if I was whispering sweet nothings <laughs> to uh, to a lover. Uh, when I'm happy with the um, with the recording, I send it straight over, and then I'm out. That's the end of my involvement. I don't even hear the damn thing until it's finished to Jochen's satisfaction. <laughs> I think from time to time, Jochen will tell me what he's thinking, but it's very hard to picture music. You j- you've got to hear it. Uh, so uh, when it comes back, I know it. It continues that from that train of thought uh, I'd, to be honest I'd be quite happy not to hear the train of thought at all uh, I like being surprised so it's irrelevant to me whether I know about it or not or whether it's surprising or not uh, people I work with when it doesn't go well um, we just both know it and then the thing dissipates doesn't it um, if there's no understanding there uh, collaborations end very quickly uh, and, and that's a a fact. <laughs> uh, this one's not ending quickly because th- it is worthwhile. There is some sort of sympathy there. Uh, but also, it's not perfect, so there's room to move and progress, which is also nice. You know, the journey's nice. I like, I'm having written music for a very, very long time now, since about 1985. I love just handing over the vocal and then forgetting about it. Uh, it is, for me, that's liberating because. Um, uh, I continue to write in my studio and the whole process of setting up the gear, recording, structuring and so on is very, very involved. And I, you know, I don't have time in my life anymore for that sort of level of collaboration where I'm also doing studio work. Uh, I can only do my own. So this is a chance for me to stay in touch with other talented artists and collaborate without actually having to do more than I'm capable of doing as you know, uh, a person in... In my walk of life, um, I know Jochen's also working very hard. Actually, he's working a lot harder than me, but I feel like I'm at the limit of what I'm capable of doing in terms of um, recording music when it comes to my own solo work. So the rest of the collaborative work I do is me providing vocals and uh, only to people who who want that, of course, who who actually come up to me and ask. Because you can bet that there's a bunch of people out there who really don't know what I'm doing and really don't like it because, you know, it's a kind of a divisive there's going to be two angles on this. <laughs> some people are going to love it. Some people are going to say, this is actually extremely pretentious. And, um, and I don't get it. Uh, my influences don't even really come from music for this project. The Australian influence for my lyrics comes from a philosophy of mind called Australian Direct Realism and you could think of that as the ultimate um, sort of bullshit free psychology which is to take everything that, it, that happens seriously as an actual event without interpretation 
or interpolation. Uh, and um, direct realism uh, is a uh, philosophy that was founded at Sydney University by a Scottish philosopher, psychologist named John Anderson, and sometimes therefore it's called Andersonian realism, and developed into a full-fledged philosophy flying somewhat under the radar in Australia, but very influential in uh, global neurology and uh, global philosophy because his students became very influential. I went through that course. Uh, it definitely sort of uh, had a big impact on me. And the, um, the kind of lyric that I deliver is quite heavily uh, informed by that background of philosophy. I have to give you a quick overview of it because that's all very mysterious. Uh, it rests on the assumption of complete causality, therefore no blame or no moral positions. It uh, rests on the assumption that there is no interpreting of experience, that experience is perceived directly and that the, the organism is intimately related to the environment uh, without any representations in, to, in between. Uh, so you can take experience seriously. And uh, it's also founded on classical logic. So uh, direct realists tend to be debunkers. Uh, they tend to write in a very simple style. It's to call a spade a spade, uh, uh, and um, a lyric like um, the lyric for the end, uh, the song that, that we wrote called The End, uh, goes, um, Don't fear the end as you lie on your back. Pain is a nightmare, but the end is a velvet banner of black. So over your head let the canopy sweep into the dreamless deep. And uh, essentially what I'm saying there is death really is the end. This is what it looks like. This is what it feels like. Pain, the pain side of it is hideous, but the end is there's nothing to fear about that. There is no afterlife. It's like a, a black banner sweeping over your head. And I think if you can, you know, in a reasonably quiet environment with Jochen um, uh, uh, sort of supporting that sentiment musically, a mood of dread steals over the audience. You know you've got to them. You know that they're listening and you know that you've said something that can be easily understood. Uh, it doesn't require interpretation and yet it's full of metaphor. And it's quite beautiful too. So that, that particular piece, I think, is just for, for whatever reason, it's, it's got a very simple piano too, which is like two simple things coming together to make one statement. It just feels like a beautiful moment to play, that, uh, to play this piece. And it's like, what, like one, one minute, 30 seconds or something like that, you know? And it's, it feels like these one and a half minutes are better spent than, you know, <laughs> playing a lot of other <laughs> long and complex songs or something, yeah.
You're listening to Out From Under, and we've been listening to a discussion between writer and vocalist Andy Ranson and musician Jochen Gutsch and their collaborative project, which has spawned two recorded works, the first EP, Smoke and Mirrors, and the second EP, simply titled EP2. We finished there with a track appropriately titled The End. Andy has been making music since the mid-80s, and in his career has been central to projects such as Pelican Daughters, the Australian rave duo Itchy and Scratchy, and in the early part of the millennium, Cherry 2000. As an immigrant into Australia some 12 years ago, I missed out on hearing much of this work. Pre-internet, it didn't make its way to the UK where I was living at the time. I was only latterly introduced to Pelican Daughters a few years back, and I was instantly fascinated by this blend of kind of tape machine sound art, early electronics and proto-electro. With Andy at the other end of the mic, I took the opportunity to ask him about the Pelican Daughters, its formation and its legacy. When I, when I was still at school, I started making music with friends of mine or just people I knew at school. We'd do stuff like drop ping-pong balls down um, fire escapes and, and sort of rediscover for ourselves the history of music concrete. And we were very heavily influenced by the, what was then called the New Underground Movement coming out in Europe and Australia uh, and Japan at the time. Uh, which consisted of amateurs making music without any musical expertise as such, but using their ears and tape recorders. Uh, so um, we would listen with um, astonished ears to things like Nurse with Wound, SPK, Severed Heads, White House, Throbbing Gristle, um, Holger Hiller, you know, you name it. We discovered a lot of music from around the world and we were making it ourselves, conscious that we weren't necessarily being very original but that this was a fun way to spend a Sunday instead of, you know, playing footy we started recording straight away, instead of buying instruments we bought tape recorders, it all sounds very romantic now um, but that's what we did uh, a microphone, a tape recorder uh, Justin's Farfisa home organ or whatever it was and we had a band and uh, incredibly to me now that music started to come out uh, on Kim Cascone's silent records in the US. Then uh, it got a life of its own, and now it's gone into this uh, archival phase where people are always asking, can I re-release this, can I re-release that? Um, and I usually say yes. Uh, so that music still lives with me now. And uh, uh, the only difference between the music that I was making then and the music I'm making now is that... Uh, after 10, 20, 30 years, you start to simplify and sort of get to grips with the value of space uh, and darkness in the music, uh, space between the beats, uh, uh, space above and below. Uh, the, uh, the Pelican Daughters was, uh, it was um, a very broad sort of holiday or journey around the world of music uh, from a very eccentric perspective. Uh, and the, the tour was conducted by people who couldn't play instruments. Uh, now, you still have someone who can't play an instrument, uh, but I know exactly what I want to do. 
and I'm not touring or traveling around the world of music anymore, I've found something that no one else is doing, and that's a good reason to continue. Uh, That's um, what every artist needs to do, is find out what they do, and uh, that journey takes decades. That's a track from Andy Ranson's Pelican Doros project called Shooting Pink Elephants. This is Out From Under, eclectic and experimental Australian music broadcast on Resonance Extra and podcast by FBI Radio in Sydney. I'm talking to the duo Andy Ranson and Jochen Gooch in this episode and we'll turn now to Jochen's most recent work as Hinterland Ensemble. In a moment, we're going to hear an extended work from them, but first Jochen reflects on the relationship between this project and his body of work, which, just as Hinterland alone, stretches back now over 15 years. Yeah, well, I've played a lot of very different types of music, or different types of music over the years. Um, I grew up with classical music, um, stopped doing that when I was... 16, 17, 18, got straight into death metal, um, hardcore, um, formed a lot of bands, was in this rather political hardcore scene in Europe for a long time, toured around, uh, played a lot of sort of technically fairly complicated punk rock, but still punk rock in terms of the philosophy or the idea behind it. Very creative, very grassroots DIY. Um, so I did that for a long time, but then I got more, more and more interested in electronic music and experimental music and want, wanted to open up the format and wanted to hear different sounds, mainly that. Um, because guitar-based drums is great for like 15, 20 years or something. <laughs> but eventually, I suppose you sometimes just want to hear something differently. And I started doing that and played a lot of electronic music. So I tried many, many different things and uh, I've now come to a point where I'm at the moment I'm writing acoustic, purely acoustic music for Hinterland for my other project which is played by string players and myself playing trumpet and, and acoustic guitar. There's no technology at all in the room. There's no amplification even. Um, we don't use PAs. Um, the only electricity we need is light <laughs> so we can read the charts. And um, it's fully composed music. It has some improvisational um, elements to it. But these are guided improvisation. Basically, what I'm trying to say is um, I think that could represent what I would call my voice. I know that it's usually long-form 
music it's usually something I always think in 20 to 40 minutes time spans when it comes to music that includes listening to music I'm not a song pop song type person or whatever I always want to know about the band and then I want to know about the genre and then I want to find out more about similar bands and genres and things like that so I'm never kind of stuck with just one song or anything like that and I think that is reflected in the music and like Andy uh, said previously about like direct influences from the world of music um, <coughs> that does, doesn't happen very much anymore either uh, and it stopped happening around already like 10 years ago or something like that when I was thought like a conversation like or the situation that we're having now is more inspirational for my compositional um, uh, uh, creativity like a good conversation, interesting questions, interesting inf insights. Just like, you know, sitting on a train and seeing a landscape pass by or reading a novel or seeing a beautiful film that doesn't have any music in it or anything like that. You know, that is something that goes, p that can go quite unfiltered into my music. What comes out is music in the end.
That's Hinterland Ensemble and a track called Umgangsvelt. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Out From Under. More details about the show can be found on our website at outfromunderradio.tumblr.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as Out From Under Radio and on email as outfromunderradio at gmail.com. I'm Stuart Buchanan. I'll be back around again next week for another episode of Out From Under. Thank you.